today's Show Me Institute podcast, Dr. Susan Pendergrass sits down with Rex Sinkfield. Rex is co-founder and former co-chairman of Dimensional Fund Advisors, Inc. He is also the co-founder of the Show Me Institute. They discuss his return to St. Louis, the challenges facing the city today, and what can be done to move the state of Missouri forward. Find more Show Me Institute podcasts on SoundCloud at SoundCloud slash Show Me Institute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass and Rex Sinkfield. You could live anywhere, and you decided to come back to St. Louis from Chicago, was that correct? You were in Chicago? from Los Angeles. How long were you in Los Angeles? Oh, unfortunately, 20 years. (laughs) I don't know how I did it. I I really don't. I love Los Angeles. (laughs) Oh, it's it's dreadful. It's just truly dreadful. Um, First of all, it's not pretty. Housing is boring. The architecture is drab. There's that ocean out there, though. It's not bad. <laughs> the ocean's flat and boring. I uh, love I love lakes and rivers. You do? You prefer? Yeah, we're on a river in the country, on the Osage River. Oh, okay. And I've always been fascinated by rivers. Yeah, I like rivers. And if you're fascinated by rivers, you're in the right state if you're in Missouri. Because we, <laughs> yeah. we got lots of them. Yeah. We got lots of them. Why did you come back, though? Like, why St. Louis? Why You could live anywhere. Why are you so pa- well, passionate? I'm from St. Louis. Sure. And so I grew up and just, you know, there's a lot to to be said for where you're from yeah and i really love it but the city has so much going for it you know i've been to 36 countries i think in hundreds of cities around the world and i think most cities would kill to have what we have in st louis and okay people, two things about st louis that people don't know two great things actually there are four things now okay my kind of trivia fact four things that are known worldwide about st louis when i say worldwide i don't mean every person sure, sure. but in every country um there is the arch. Okay. Everybody knows about yeah. that. Everybody knows about Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows about the St. Louis Symphony. Now, when I used to travel, to go to these different countries, the first thing I'd do, I'd get to my room, I'd call the concierge and say, what is the classical station? I'd turn it on on the radio. And within one hour, there would be a piece played by the St. Louis Symphony. Really? By Leonard Slatkin. Wow. They made tons of recordings then, and I'm mm-hmm. pushing the symphony. I'm on that board. Mm-hmm. We're pushing hard to get recordings made again, and I think they're, they've come around on that, and they agree, and the new director, Stefan Deneuve, agrees. I think it aids our reputation, and it's impossible to measure the benefits, but it sure makes you feel good. Yeah, that's right. And well, the other thing we're known for is chess. Chess. We are the chess capital of the world. That's right. Uh, we have four of the top 15 players in the world either do live or have lived in St. Louis. Yeah. Number two in the world currently lives here. Yeah. Played for the world championship last November. Hope he does it again. And it's a great city. I just don't think that it gets a lot of credit because people just remember certain things, one or two negatives, and they don't know the positives. I also think Missouri's got a lot of positives. I rode my bike across at one time. It's beautiful on that Katie. It's a beautiful state. It it really is. Beautiful rivers. Incredibly beautiful. Beautiful limestone cliffs. So is is St. Louis. You know, Mm -hmm. first of all, architecture is interesting. Now, that's partly historical accident. We have this beautiful red brick. The way the city got all of its tremendous beautiful architecture, even in working class neighborhoods, is there was a huge fire in 1849. The riverfront started from the steamboats and it destroyed 40% of the downtown structures. Really? And the city father said, that's it. No more wooden structures in the city. Everything must be built of brick and stone. Ah. And we also, Missouri has a rich red clay soil that allowed us to build our own bricks, so there was not a transport issue. It's called Brick City, right? Yeah, there used to be I mean, a lot of brick making. Gorgeous, companies gorgeous here. homes. Uh, in fact, 
one of the best brick-making companies was a company called Hydraulic. And if you go down on the riverfront, McLeod's Landing, you can sometimes, where the street is worn away, you can see these beautiful old red bricks, and it says Hydraulic. Oh, that's cool. And that company was run by T.S. Eliot's father. Really? For 40 <laughs> years. And T.S. Eliot was uh, about about a mile from here, was oh, born wow. and raised. And he said being from St. Louis was the most important influence in his life. What do you think is the biggest problem that St. Louis has today? Two problems. They have a bad public policy with regard to taxes. They have the earnings tax, yeah. and that's a killer. And the Show Me Institute has done a number of good papers on that topic and understand that somebody is working on the summa theologica of the earnings tax. I think so. And so earnings tax being that the locality charges an additional... It's a local income tax. Yeah. It's 1% right off the top. Everybody, no matter what you make. It's the most regressive tax in the state because it starts at $1. I would think of a formula of 0 .01 times Y. Y is your income. Yeah. That's the formula for the earnings tax calculation, yes. 0.01 times Y. But if it were done as a federal income tax, it would be T, that's the tax rate, on the parentheses, Y minus $16,000, the standard deduction, close parentheses. Now, you solve for T. By income category, 20000 yep. 30000 40000 And what you'll find is that the income tax rate computed per the federal schedule for the lowest income people is 2.5%. So it's, it's again, a killer. super regressive. Yeah, and for the high income people, say at 300000 400000 it falls asymptotically to 1.05%. Yeah, yeah. So. so that's one thing. So St. Louis, I think a lot of people think of St. Louis as having problems with crime and race, but also tax structure. Well, well, crime is a problem, but that's, that's partly uh, because we're such a small city. The footprint of the city itself is small yeah. since 1875. Yeah. If we were one big city, then we would be ranking the 30s or 40s in crime statistics. Right, because our, our, our city border is pretty small. It is, and yeah. And not that many people live within it. And then when you do per capita as compared to some of other We used cities. to have a lot of people living within it, but in yeah. 1950, we had 856,000 people in the city of St. Louis. And what do we have today? We about 315,000. What happened? The earnings tax came on in 1948 or 49. Okay. And if you look at other cities that have the earnings tax, they've <laughs> experienced the same thing. It works its magic everywhere. You know, next year, we are going to eclipse the population of the city for 1870. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just oh tragic. Oh, my and gosh. The city leaders sit around and don't do anything about this. We've what do you think they should do? They should abolish it. The earnings tax, yeah. Absolutely. But the other problem, of course, is education public education. Uh, it's just dreadful. I think that every parent should get to choose where the child goes to school, but that's just how I see it. Regardless of income, I think that the state uh, could fund education without forcing parents to go to a particular school. But um, The government should fund education, but they shouldn't run it. Yeah, according to Milton Friedman and Capitalism and Freedom. There's yeah. no reason for them to manage They don't it. need to buy the books and hire the teachers. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, we've seen what, what job they do. It's atrocious. Not very good in St. Louis. There's a lot of urban it's, districts it's that are, are not very good. in any city, practically. And Missouri itself thinks it's doing pretty well, but it's middle of the pack at best and not improving. What I think is interesting about you, Rex, is you're an enigma. And so many people in the last five years since I've been here and reading things in the media uh, think they know what you think. Like Everyone thinks they know your motives, uh, your uh, preferences and I hear this all the time because I work in in education policy and you know I've worked with another board member for a long time uh, on 
on trying to find ways to salvage t- teacher retirement benefits in a way that's like, sustainable in the long term. Basically, mm-hmm. teacher pensions in many, many places are, are uh, on a road to insolvency, and Missouri seems to think that they're not part of that, but it, that's not true. Um, but in doing that work, oftentimes, in response to my work, it is well. That's because Rex Singfeld wants to take my pension, <laughs> and uh, that's interesting to me because, like, you and I don't talk about my work, and so I'll write something. And it's like, here you go, another Rex Singfeld take my pension piece. I'm like, I didn't even ask him, consult with him on this piece, but well, the other one is everyone thinks you want to take their pension, and and everybody thinks well, the Post Dispatch they have. Remember, in the world of of DOS, you're too young to know what DOS was. I know what it is. Okay, but <laughs> DOS, there was something. This is before Windows. Okay, and DOS was a disk operating system. That's all you had to work with a PC. So if you wanted an application, you had to write it yourself, usually in BASIC. And so we did a lot of those, but they had something called a soft key. You could program a key, so you could have a whole sentence. You hit this key, it would print the sentence every time. So I think the Post-Dispatch has a soft (laughs) key on me. It's Rex Singfield, the guy who wants to destroy the public school system. That's the other one. You want to destroy public education? I got a funny way education? of doing that because I'm giving them probably a million or two million every year, directly and indirectly. Well, why do you think they that people think that? I or why no, are they so comfortable putting thoughts into your head, or like you know thinking that they know what you're thinking? I mean, you know, it, it happens to lots of people, not just you. It's it's common, but that is pervasive. That people think you want to take retirement benefits away from currently retired t- teachers, and that you want to destroy public I have, education. I haven't heard that one, the, the teacher pension thing. I haven't heard it. Well, I my know. apologies because I write okay. on it, and then you get the blame. Public education, you don't want to destroy it. No, I want to uh, reform it. Fix it. Yeah. yeah. Does that but, frustrate you, though, when you uh, read the Post-Dispatch and they just like, and this is what Rex Singfeld thinks, and you don't no, think I'm it? No, I'm used to it. It happens almost every day. They think you're like a kingmaker, and you just uh, use a wand, and then something happens. Is that oh, yeah. true? Oh, yeah, sure. That that's, that's right. That's why we still have the earnings tax. We still have the state income <laughs> If you tax. had a wand. We still had lousy public education. Yeah, I think if you had yeah. that wand, you would be using it. Uh, differently than just trying to I would get rid of all that misinformation it's amazing how misinformation spreads and takes hold it's just more fun I think than real information that's what I've decided I guess you know know, I don't it's it's hard because reforming something like public education is a long hard road and I I often say that you know if you want to get wealthy don't try to fix public education that there's no money to be made there we did a podcast with a charter school leader and I said is government just writing you big checks so you can you know line your pockets he's like such hard work and uh mm-hmm. education in general it's a lot of hard work and it's not a place where change happens fast at all and you can't just this idea of destroying public education again like you say if we wanted to we're doing a terrible job at it and and no one that i've come across even in the school choice world in any way wants to destroy public education so i wanted to just throw out a couple of pairs of things for you to choose between i think it'll make more sense once i start to do it just to sort of get your thoughts on um on something that's not St. Louis. If you had to choose between active trading and passive trading. <laughs> well, now that's easy. Now just educate resort, me on this. You should resort to passive management. Basically, you just buy the market portfolio. Ideally, you should buy the portfolio of all the stocks in the world in, that are and held them in proportion to their market value, which means you're buying basically an index fund of the world equity markets. So what, In what the U.S., a, you can do it like the S&P. There's a lot of S&P index funds. I was fortunate to have started the first one in the galaxy, September 4th, 1973. Awesome. Um, and so, now, 
passive investing is by far the widest form of investing worldwide. But what about when when you look at somebody like Warren Buffett or people who are stock pickers who are wildly successful? It makes get, other people question, it's like being an NBA star. It makes little kids want to play basketball to be like you, people see Warren Buffett and they're like I could do that. Okay, well see the reference to basketball, that's a good reference because in sports differences in skill and ability do make a difference in outcomes. You have an advantage. If you're better than others, you're going to do better than others, and it will help your team more. But in the investment market, if you're smarter than everybody else, it doesn't do you any good. Why? Because the market is smarter than everybody. The market is, the, as Friedrich Hayek says, the set of world prices garners and comprehends all of the information in the world. People transact. So it's all baked in. It's, it's all, all known. Yes, it's everybody that... Everybody knows a lot about what they want to do and their own taste and preferences. And so when they transact in some ineffable way, they impact the set of prices. So if you go to the set of prices worldwide, that contains all of the information in the world, the collection of what everybody knows. That is the repository of all the information. So if you use that, if you accept market prices, and this is going back exactly to Adam Smith, if you just rely on market prices, you are using an amount of information that is billions of times larger than what you individually possess. All the collective knowledge yes. is in that price. Now, if you have a system of allocating resources that doesn't use that mechanism, you're in real trouble. And the best example is the Soviet Union. They threw it out. They said, we're not going to use a crazy market price system. The thing is, nobody's managing it, you know? Right. And uh, How'd that go? So, and so <laughs> we, you know, in 1917, they... They changed systems, and in 1990, they threw in the towel. You know, it's so I like to ask people, you know, who is left that thinks that market prices don't work? And there's only th really a, maybe three of them, Cuba, North Korea, and the active managers. <laughs> that's quite a, quite a group. <laughs> well, remember day trading? I don't think that's a thing anymore, but day trading was like you could make money minute by minute by, like, being ahead or there's always a gimmick yeah 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 so you you preempted one mind it was going to be Keynes or Hayek I'm guessing you're going to go with Hayek on that oh, of course well I feel like Keynesian is sort of making a resurgence these well, days people are beginning to think is. maybe the government should be the one that balances well, out the economy well they're always stupid ideas look Japan's been trying Keynesianism for 20 years and you know in 1990 the Nikkei average was at 40,000 yeah it's much lower than that now 30 years 30 yeah, almost 30 years later. Uh, Milton Friedman, they used to ask him, who are the important economists? He said, well, of course, number one is Adam Smith. He said, but Keynes was important because he came up with a fascinating theory that, of course, was totally wrong. Which was what? Just briefly. Keynesianism. That so, you could stimulate demand, you know, by government policies. And he said, so at least we know that doesn't work. Yeah, we so know for sure it's completely wrong. That's a useful bit of knowledge. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, 15 years ago, Milton Friedman and monetary policy was kind of getting a, a bad rap, and all of a sudden it was going to be government solutions, and now I think it's happening again. So I, this idea of John Maynard Keynes, which is that simply the government invests and decides what to invest in, and then that will sort of fix the economy, um, it concerns me that people think that this is a good premise, because like you said, it's it's been disproven. I, I think history often people repeat mistakes you know what i mean if, if you don't learn then you repeat them and you well, go yeah the socialist claim is well the people in the past they didn't know how to do it what you need is smart socialist and we're smart socialist mm -hmm. that's a common refrain you mm -hmm. know you know yeah. but you look what socialism has really brought it's you know you got the soviet union and, um 
Cuba, North Korea, Venezuela. Yeah. It, you know, it starts off with a government plan to run everything. Now, for this plan to work, you have to have compliance. And in order to have compliance, you have to have compulsion. So it destroys wealth and destroys freedom. Other than that, socialism is just fine. <laughs> Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so St. Louis or Chicago? St. Louis. St. Louis. I you, lived in, you Chicago were in Chicago for, for a while. 15 years, yeah. And 15 years in Chicago and 20 in L.A. I know. Don't tell me. It's just, you know, <laughs> And still St. Louis is number one. Oh, yeah. Now, I lived in Hyde Park in Chicago, where the University of Chicago is, because I went there for grad school. Mm-hmm. And Hyde Park is an unusual community, although I think the Central West End has it beat. You think? I yeah. think so, yeah, because we're sandwiched between St. Louis U and Wash U. That's right. So we have all the intellectual and cultural amenities, uh-huh. and uh, it's a much nicer neighborhood in in Hyde Park, you're sort of in an enclave. You can't. You got boundaries around you that are all leading into questionable neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I've been there one time. That's not true. Central West End. You know. Yeah, well, Central West End's definitely had a resurgence. It's yes, it's incredible. The Central Corridor is growing like a weed. If that's all you knew, you'd say, "Wow, St. Louis is the fastest growing city in the nation." In fact, we're declining in population despite what's going on in the Central Corridor. Yeah, that's a conundrum. It is. There's $8 billion of development going to take place in the Central Corridor over the next few years. $8 billion. Is that that? It's found, already spoken for. Foundry? It's okay. everything. Everything oh, okay. going on. A lot of private developers. St. Louis U, of course, is building. SSM is building yeah, a huge yeah. hospital yeah, yeah. Uh, to replace the other one. Um, it's going to be amazing when all of that I is I just finished. wish it was a place that when you know students are graduating from college, they wanted to go to St. Louis. Like they want to go to Austin and Denver and Portland. But I don't think we're right on the map. Well, the yet. trouble is, you know, we they had this paper just done recently by the Show Me People. You know, how has Missouri done since the moon landing, which I thought was a clever title. <laughs> uh, and they point out that if we had simply grown with the national average, we'd have 1.2 million more people yep. in the state. We've lost representatives, congressional seats because yeah, yeah. of our terribly slow growth. I mean, it's dreadful. If you plot the growth of Missouri relative to the nation, it's just a line headed straight down. Yeah. It's just awful. And public officials sit back and they don't do anything. I think that education, like we're not known for education in this state. And Florida is, and people are moving to Florida. And Indiana's got a great, you know, they're improving their public education. Tennessee improving public education. I do think that parents think about that when they, you know, decide where they want to raise their children. There's nothing about Missouri public education right now that excites anyone. They do think about it. And the lack of growth causes our our graduates when they get out of college or vocational school or whatever they often have to look elsewhere outside of missouri for employment so terrible bad policies break up families we're bleeding uh bachelor degree uh, recipients their their net out migration which i think is a shame anything else you want to talk about i was going to ask you dogs or cats actually i like cats but i'm extremely allergic to them and we have two dogs in the country shaggy and harry shaggy's very smart and very obedient Harry is dumber than a rock. I have one of those, too. I've met rocks that are smarter than Harry. <laughs> what kind of dog is Harry? They're both Labradoodles. Oh, I have a golden retriever with like 10 brain cells. But I love him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. Okay. Thanks Thank for you. coming. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org.